0: Welcome back to The Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation from the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Today is Sermon Sunday, so we're posting the morning sermon from Christ Church Conway on Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. If you have a Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark We've made it through the Christmas season, and uh, if you're into church calendar things, right now is one of the stretches in the church calendar that's called ordinary time, uh, which means there's no particular festival that's being celebrated or season that's being celebrated. And, And so we've returned now to the Gospel of Mark and these kingdom parables that we had begun looking at that include the parable of the four soils and the the lamp and all of these things. And today we're up to Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 26 through 29. And this is what we read. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Most gracious Father, as we look now at your word, we ask that you would strengthen us to believe your word, that you, by your Spirit, would give us ears to hear, that we might have confidence and you're establishing your kingdom forever. And that seeing it as your work, we might be comforted. We might find rest. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Well, as we come to this passage, it's important for us to go back to the Lord's Prayer that we just prayed and think for just a second about where it starts. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. That's the prayer. That God would bring his kingdom. Now think about the implication of that being the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples and all of us to pray. When they came and said, how do we pray? And He said, well, you don't do it standing on the street corner to be seen, and you don't do it using all these fancy words, thinking that by so doing, God's going to pay more attention to you. You pray this simple prayer, and the first petition is that God's kingdom would come. Now, here's why this is important. If I'm responsible for bringing something about, and if I'm able to bring something about, I don't ask somebody else to do it. I just do it. But the first petition that we're told to pray is for God to bring His kingdom. Even the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray as His disciples reminds us that it's not you and I who bring the kingdom. It's not you and I who build the kingdom. It's not you and I who grow the kingdom. And this is important for us to hear. Because in our American evangelicalism, and it may be broader than that in the world, I don't know, but I know in our context, you can find endless literature about us building the kingdom and bringing the kingdom and growing the kingdom and doing kingdom work and and being kingdom-minded and doing all of these things. We've developed entire mission strategies to bring the kingdom of God. If we can just reach everyone in the 1040 window, then the kingdom of God will come. The problem with all of this is, it doesn't necessarily line up with the picture of how the kingdom comes and how the kingdom grows that the Bible gives us. In fact, the picture that the Bible gives us is incredibly comforting because it it takes the responsibility for the growing, the establishing, the building of the kingdom off of our shoulders and puts it back on God because for his people, his kingdom is a kingdom of rest. Not a kingdom of wearing ourselves out, trying to make sure it's secure. And that's kind of the point of what we see here in this parable in Mark chapter 4 that deals with the processes of the kingdom. Jesus compares the kingdom to this whole scene. and Sometimes we're tempted to compare the kingdom to one piece, but, but here the way it's set up is the kingdom of God is like the, the whole scene. That's the comparison. The kingdom of God isn't like the person sowing seed. Or, or It's the whole picture that is being viewed here. And what we see, in short, is that the mystery of the kingdom is in how it grows. And and that it is actually a mystery to us. So as we work through this parable, this is what we begin to see. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. When we put this in the context and and think about what the seed might be and and begin asking those kinds of questions, like, well, what does this refer to? What are the pieces of this parable referencing so that we can understand it? Well, we've already read that the sower sows the word back in verse 14 in the parable of the four soils. That there's no reason for us to think that, that something else is happening here. What's being talked about is the scattering of the seed. Is what we talked about with the parable of the sword, this promiscuous scattering of the seed everywhere with, with no kind of thought as to where it's going to land. It's just sent out. And some grows and some doesn't. Some is fruitful and some isn't. That's the picture we have here. That, that there is a scattering of seed that happens. And here's what we need to understand as individual Christians and as the church. We are called to scatter this seed. We are called to preach the word of God. We are called to announce the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as far as building the kingdom, as far as growing the kingdom, that's where our calling stops. Right there. With announcing the Word of God. And everything that the church is called to do really comes down in one way or another to that. Scattering the seed. Sowing the Word of God. Think through what the church is called to do. What do we do in worship? We gather For the means of grace. The proclamation of the Word of God. The the prayers. Praying the Word of God. The sacraments. This sign and symbol of the message of the Word of God that is effective. All of these things are about sowing the Word of God in the context of Christian fellowship. Remember what? Jesus said about this meal that we'll read as we do every week. Whenever you do this, you're proclaiming my death. You're telling the story. You're sowing the seed in you and for others as well. This is why we see this not just as an ordinance, that is a thing that the church does, but as a sacrament, as something that actually accomplishes something in the lives of the people of God. Think about the other things that the church does, that the church and Christians are called to do. Encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What are we doing when we do those things? We're continually setting the Word of God before one another. Reminding each other, this is the story. This is our story. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Even if we look at things like church discipline, what really is happening in church discipline? We're proclaiming the Word of God. Praying that in God's grace, it would have this restorative effect in people's lives. That's all church discipline is when you boil it right down, is proclaiming the Word of God to the people of God, saying, this is our life. This is what we're called to. See, this is what we have. As the people of God, what we have is the Word of God. That's what we have to offer. And that's what we are called to sow far and wide. It's God's Word. And so that should drive all that we do in ministry. It should drive all that we do in our lives. We should be strategic in sowing the Word of God. And we should be just... it should be everywhere. We we should work hard to get the Word of God out to people. It's why we bother with broadcasting the service when we know that we're in a time where people can't be here easily. It's why we bother with with daily devotions. It's why we bother with with writing to encourage one another. It's, It's why we bother with any of this. Because it's the Word of God... That is the seed that can actually yield some life. I've told the story probably multiple times before. That Martin Bon, uh, uh, one of the ministers that that was there when Andy and I had to go through church planter assessment, uh, he he told the story of of when he was planting in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. That that he sat down with a guy and and he was like, I will, right, well, you know. What's your stick? What do you got? You know, you're planting the church. What's y'all's angle on things? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? He's like, no, we've got this story about Jesus. And how this Jewish man was was God in the flesh. Who perfectly fulfilled the law and and lived and, and died and rose again. And by believing, we're saved. And he said that the guy that he talked to was like, well, yeah, I get that. I mean, every church says that, but what's y'all's thing? And he kept, like this conversation kept going on, and, and Reverend Bond kept going, no, that is our thing. That's what we've got. That's the whole thing. That's what we have pictured here in this parable is that what we have is the Word of God. That's what we have to sow. And and nothing else. And then the next step is is eye-opening. He scatters the seed on the ground. And then, he takes what... If you know anything at all about agriculture, and I mean anything at all, I know virtually nothing about agriculture, but I know that this strategy that is laid out in verse 27, it, agriculturally is a bad one. He sows the seed on the ground, and then he doesn't do anything else to it. It says, he sleeps, he rises night and day. Like I did my job, I sowed the seed. Doesn't say anything about him watering it, or, or about him pulling weeds, or caring for the tender plants, or, or getting rid of bugs, or, or any of it. Like, this is a poor strategy for yielding fruit. But it says the seed sprouts and grows, produces full grain, and is fruitful. And there's this phrase here in our translation this is the last phrase in verse 27. He knows not how. Those are four words of freedom right there. Just absolute freedom. He he did what, what, the church did what it was supposed to do. We sowed the seed. And lo and behold, up from the ground came a kingdom. And we can't even tell you how it happened. It just did. See, this pulls the covers back on, on the, the reality. that that all of our strategizing to grow the kingdom and and all of our thinking we know how to do this and know how to do that and and all of our like ways that we get our wheels turning and think we're, we're working through the machinations of all these different things, it pulls the cover back on all of that. And it's like, man, you don't have a clue how this is happening. Not the first clue. You publish your books. You sell your books. You read your books. They all say the same thing. Try this, maybe that, some of this. Strategize this way, plan that way. This is how the kingdom grows. But in reality, we can't explain it at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. We can say, well, the spirit does something. The spirit is at work, hundred percent. Somehow, I stand here, I tell this story, and then in y'all's lives, something happens. And and I look. I'll be the first to admit, I don't have a clue how it works. And some of you know that. Most of you have probably figured it out by now. After these words leave my mouth, (laughs) I don't know what happens or how. I just know that it does. And and this explains so much of ministry and so much of of life, and not just mine, but ours to each other. It explains why sometimes we can sit with each other and say what seems like just this beautifully eloquent gospel thing to each other. And, and seemingly nothing happens. And then other times we can sit with each other and and, and at a complete loss for words, just kind of spitballing with the gospel, like, maybe this. Try, Try Jesus. I don't know. I, I can't I, all of a sudden like repentance and and life come bursting forth. And you're like, what? What? That. Are you serious? I man, I can tell you, and every preacher can tell you, that, that we'll put together these sermons that we think like, "Oh man, I mean, whoo! People are gonna leave on fire today," and like half of y'all are asleep before I'm done with the intro. And then there's other days where, where, where we'll, we'll preach and 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 we'll talk, and, and I'm like, "Man, I'm getting fired today." I'm done. I just, I just preached my last sermon, if you even want to call it that. And then there's a line of people going like, oh, my word. The Spirit was at work. And I'm like, were you listening to a podcast during the service? Is that why? Like, were y'all, y'all were all listening to Tim Keller, weren't you? All right, cool. I get it. We don't know how this works. This is why it's so foolish for us to burden ourselves as a church and as individuals trying to minister to one another and to our family and friends. This is why it's so foolish for us to burden ourselves with anything other than just giving people Jesus. Just giving them the Word of God. Look, this is what it says. Because you and I don't know how it works. We don't know what God's doing. We just know that He's told us to sow seed. He's told us to plant the Word of God. And He's promised it will have its intended effect. It will. The reformers, they got this. They were all about the word. You go back and you read Luther and he was just like, look, it's the word. It's the word. It's the word. That's what it is. That's all we've got. It's what we're going to proclaim. And we're not going to let anybody proclaim it poorly or we're fighting for this because it's what we have. Sometimes We go wrong with the kingdom in one of two ways. In in kind of broader evangelicalism, we, we tend to go wrong with the kingdom thinking that we know how it works and we can strategize to bring about kingdom growth. Forgetting what the Bible plainly says, that that's by and large a mystery to us. In the Reformed world, where we live, in in the Presbyterian land that we live in, that loves the sovereignty of God, we are perfectly willing to admit, we don't know how it works, God's sovereign, amen. But the problem is, our tendency is to also apply the mystery to the scattering of the seed. We don't know how that works either. Somehow it just happens. It's amazing. And we don't bother with evangelism. We don't bother with, with you know, we, we question ourselves. We're like, is, is it, I don't know, like, is it okay to have a live stream? Are we violating the regulative principle of worship if we have a live stream? Does that even really count? I've been there. I've been there questioning does me putting something on like can that even work if i say something about the gospel on social media i don't know but what i do know is that we're called to scatter the seed and that's scattering it look i've mocked from this pulpit i've mocked the, the billboards that you drive down the street and they just say, Jesus. You know the big green ones? White words. a G- Word. Jesus, right? I've mocked those being like, really? Come on now. But I'll tell you this. There's a way better chance that that plants a seed that grows than that my silence plants a seed that grows. See, sometimes in our world, we so lean on the sovereignty of God. I'm all about the sovereignty of God just so we can all be super clear on that. I'm as Westminsterian, as Presbyterian, as all those things as they come. I didn't take any exceptions to that entire document. That's where I live. Right? But sometimes we rest so heavenly, heavily on those ideas that we forget that this word does actually have to be sung that, that that's not the mysterious part of the equation. That that's the part where we should, you know, have one of those t-shirt cannons packed full of gospel and just like pointing it at crowds and be like, just over and over. Everywhere we go, just launching it. Because I don't know where it's going to grow. I am am horrible. And you are too, just so we're all clear. (laughs) At figuring out what's good soil and what's a road. We don't know. And so we scatter the seed and somehow it grows. And it yields fruit. And Jesus is telling us this is how the kingdom is going to work until the day of harvest. You're not ever going to figure it out. You're just going to keep scattering seed and somehow that gospel, the story of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's going to do something in you, and in the people that hear it. There is so much freedom for us here, church, because it reminds us that we're not in charge of this process. We get to preach the word to one another, to whoever will listen, and then take a nap. That's what Jesus is telling us. Preach the word and rest. Because I get it from there. That's what we're called to do. We want to be comforted with the gospel here at Christ Church. We we look around our body and we we see the pain and and, and we want to provide something. This is what we can do for each other. Preach the word and rest. Rest. We want to see the gospel go out in Conway and in Faulkner County and people come to Christ. What do we need to do? We need to preach the word. We need to do that. It's actually got to go out. And then take a nap and let God bring it about. That's the confidence we have. That's the confidence we should have in the power of God's word that should drive everything we do. And there will come a day of harvest. When when Christ will come again. And that the harvest will be bountiful. And when we look at this day of harvest, what we see from that passage that we read in Joel, that the, the, the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, of Joel 3.13 and, and Mark 4.29, they're almost perfect parallels. There's, I mean, it, look, Jesus was in essence quoting Joel 3.13 when he said, look, a day of harvest is going to come, and he will put the sickle when, when it's time. We'll do that. The only other place in the New Testament that the word sickle is used is in Revelation 14. Here's what's interesting about both of those chapters, Joel 3 and Revelation 14. They're both pictures of judgment. See, that's what the harvest in the Bible always has in view. It's both judgment for those who have not bowed to the king, and redemption for those who have taken refuge in him. And so here's what Jesus is saying. Look, this is how it's going to work. This is Here's the process of church history. The church is going to plant the Word. It's going to give the Word to everybody they can. I'm going to do something with that until the time is fulfilled, and then I'm going to come and bring the harvest. And Psalm 2 is going to happen. See, when you read Joel 3, it's easy for us to miss, and I tried to inflect so that we got it, it's easy for us to miss that God is mockingly calling the nations to arms. That that God is going, yeah, do that, yeah. Y'all get organized. Plowshares into into spirit, do all the things. Are y'all ready? Everybody ready? Okay, let's fight. And then God obliterates them. But then he says at the end, but my people will find refuge in me. Why does this matter for how we think about ministry at Christ Church Conway? Why does this matter for how we think about the Word of God and the kingdom of God in our own lives? Here's how it matters. Our job as as a church, our job as individuals, is not to somehow bring about and present at the end of everything a kingdom that doesn't need any winnowing. That's not our job at all. But sometimes we act like that's what we're doing. Sometimes we start thinking that that's what we're supposed to do is present God a kingdom. It's like we're turning in a report. And we've got to make sure that all the typos are gone and all the formatting is just right and the bibliography is perfect and there's no commas down a place and all the punctuation is just as it needs to be. And we present it and he looks at it and he gives us an A. But that's not what the Bible calls us to at all. In, in, in no sense are we to present God somehow a kingdom that doesn't need winnowing. In fact, there's an entire parable about this. That there's this parable of of, of the wheat and the tares, and you remember what God says there? Leave the tares alone. Leave them alone. I'll take care of them in the end. When the harvest comes, I'll bring it all up. And I'll burn all the tares over here, and we'll use all the good grain over here. That's the harvest. It's judgment and redemption. And so this gives us the freedom to be scandalous with who we invite in to the gospel kingdom. Because our job isn't to make sure that the only people that walk through that metaphorical door are people that get it and that look right and that belong and all of those things. It's not our job. Do we practice church discipline? Yes. Done with that. It's not our job. Our job isn't to present a kingdom that doesn't need winnowing. Our job is to sow the seed. And anybody that walks through that door and says yes to what we say, we just assume, cool, come on in. There's a cup for you right here at the table of our Lord. And it doesn't matter what anything in their life looks like. It doesn't matter how broken they are. It doesn't matter if they have three semis full of baggage that they come in with. They say yes to Jesus. Come sit at the table. Well, but what if? What if? What if this? He'll sort that out at the end. He'll sort that out at the. There's coming a day of harvest. He tells us he's got it. See, what this reality, that the day of harvest is when it all gets sorted out, what this gives us the freedom to do is to just give grace away so freely in our ministry that people start to question whether we believe in holiness or not. We just give it away. And when people nod their head at the right time, we give them more Jesus. We just keep giving it away. See, ministry should be fun. I get it's going to be hard. I get we're going to be... But it should be fun because what it should come down to is us just giving grace away. in our world that's got all these roots in pietism, that's got all these roots in in pharisaism, that's got all these roots in, in all these different isms that have zero to do with the actual gospel. We love to make ministry miserable because we want to make sure that only the right people get in. And that's missing the point of the gospel entirely. Because guess what? We're all the wrong people. Every last one of us are the wrong people. And the only reason we get included is because God in His providence had the Word of God land in our ears and then He grew it up in us. That's it. It's all grace. And then Jesus sorts it out at the end. That's what we're called to do, Christ Church. To give away the farm. To give away our Savior. That's it. That's all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for the joy of the gospel for the joy of grace, for the wonder of getting to be part of a gracious kingdom. Would You, by Your Spirit, strengthen us to be to have this kind of boldness? To be bold in sowing the seed and then bold in taking a nap while you make it grow knowing that that is your work and you'll do it perfectly teach us to minister to one another and to this city into which you have called us to which you have sent us in that way amen